You are listening to the Stand with Dignity podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Assalamu alaikum, everybody, um, and welcome to our honored guests who are here um, sharing this event with us. Um, it is such a pleasure to be among such eminent speakers and also members of the community and our distinguished guests. Um, and um, I think it is especially meaningful when we gather together um, as a community like this to speak upon the universal message of Imam Hussein alayhi salam. Um, because actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that on our last day, um, we will be raised in groups and communities as well. Right? So our lives are not just individual, they are collective, and we belong to communities. And I think we really have a responsibility as members of a community to participate in conversations like this, right? and come together with a common sense of purpose um, and a belief in what we should do and how we should live our lives. Um, so I am, like I said, I am a professor of history, so it's hard for me to sort of speak in vague generalities. What I really want to do um, in a moment like this is actually use this opportunity, right, where so many of us are gathered together from different fields and different backgrounds um, to speak with clarity and practicality about issues that are happening in the world and issues that we know confront us, right, both individually and collectively, and what we might do about them, right, and how we draw lessons from the life of Imam Hussein alayhi salam and Sayyidah Zainab salam alayha uh, to confront these issues. So I will say that, you know, sort of throughout this, what I want to keep coming back to and mention is that our purpose collectively, right, those of us who are blessed to have understood this message of Imam Hussein from a, from a very young age and those of us who are hearing about it, right, in a new way, um, it must be to elevate our knowledge, right, our understanding and our ability to speak on the message of Imam Hussein and Sayyidah Zainab. And then we must also insist on bringing those principles to all those places where their names are not said, right, and where we can embrace a broader community. So the question that I want to ask today um, that, you know, I hope to keep coming back to uh, as we have this conversation is, what does Labaik Ya Hussein mean to us today? Um, and for our honored guest, um, Labaik Ya Hussein is a statement um, that we make that um, literally it means I am here, Hussein, right? And it is a promise that we make every year um, to a man who sacrificed everything for justice. Right? Um, Imam Hussein stood on the plains of Karbala with a very, very small group of committed followers who stood beside him in faith and courage. And on that day of Ashura, one by one, they were all killed until only Imam Hussein stood there left. And he looked around and he cried, is there anyone out there to help me? And, and he knew, right, there was no one around him at that time. It was not a cry for the moment, it was a cry for the future, right? It was, a, it was a call to us. And so we respond to that call every year when we say, Labaik Ya Hussein. We say, I am here, Hussein, right? It is a cry that is meant to last for a generation. And, you know, it is the beauty of Karbala, right? That every year in increasing millions, more and more people say that, Labaik Ya Hussein. Um, but I, what I want us to all sort of ask ourselves is, what does that actually mean to us today in this moment? Because I don't believe, and I don't think any of us believe, that it's just something that we say in a lecture or a prayer or when we are fortunate to go visit the shrine of Imam Hussein, alayhi salam. Um, I think we mean, and we should mean, Labaik Ya Hussein, 
like a real rallying cry for ourselves and for others to educate, to learn, and to advocate for justice, to reject oppression, and to stand for human dignity, whoever that applies to. Right? And we have to take that call seriously. We often say that, but we should really mean it, right? Whoever that applies to. And do we say, all of us, la baik ya Hussein, with a real intent to bring that message into the mainstream, right? To share with others, regardless of the obstacles that we might face in doing so. Because we also know, and it was alluded to a little bit earlier, that we do meet in the aftermath of the killing of four Shia men in Albuquerque. Albuquerque. And I really, um, I didn't want to miss this opportunity to mention it because I think it is important that we talk about that too, right? It's important that we talk about marginalization, both of ourselves and of other marginalized people. And it's only when we recognize that that we can talk about the universal nature of our message, right? So we know that we meet in the aftermath of these killings. And that is also paired with a broader background that we know has been happening, right? Of the targeted killings of Shia Muslims um, around the world, right? Whether it be in Afghanistan or in Pakistan or in Saudi Arabia. Um, and I think we might have felt, um, you know, those of us in this community, that here in the United States, with so much focus on education and integration, that we might have escaped that kind of violent targeting here. And it was, I think, a painful reminder um, to those of us when that happened. And that's why I just, I wanted to mention it. Because I also do believe that you know, when we talk about marginalization, for us, some of what we feel, um, and this marginaliz marginalization or this targeting, um, it's often also a product of negating, ignoring, or a lack of awareness of the universal message of Imam Hussein and Sayyida Zainab. Right? Um, and I think we have to recognize these things and recognize um, the different forms of marginalization we face, um, but then also target either that lack of awareness or that targeting through this idea of labaik ya Hussein. Right? So what do I mean by that? Um, I think it's by doing what we're doing here today, right? which is to advocate for the universal message of Karbala, because I really believe that it enriches our minds and our sense of right. right? And by insisting on this concept of labaik ya Hussein, I am here, in acts of courage and acts of service, that is the way we resist our marginalization and we open this conversation um, to a broader community. Um, and so I wanted to actually talk just a little bit, because I know that there are some young people, younger people, uh, not, I'm not young, but younger people here in, um, in the crowd today. And I, I actually really wanted to talk about, um, very briefly, um, the experiences that I had um, at university, sort of going through college, that drove me to want to share the lesson of Imam Hussein with a wider audience and to insist um, that it is meaningful to a wider audience. Because I remember being a young uh, undergraduate at Columbia University, and I took a class on women and gender in Islam, right? And I feel like that's a topic that everybody is really interested in. You know, a lot of non-Muslims, they want to hear about like the role of Islam when it comes to talking about women. And I sat there in this class, and I just, I was pained and struck that with all this focus on what Islam says about women, there was no mention of that in that class um, about Zainab bint Ali. Right, who we know to be a granddaughter of the prophet, right? a scholar, a teacher, a wife, a mother, a sister, an aunt, a champion of justice, 
right, and a fearless critic of oppression. And we were so concerned, I mean, this was sort of in the era after 9-11, and everybody was talking, right, about like, what does Islam mean for women? But I sat there in a classroom and nobody mentioned the one woman who I feel embodied all that would be powerful, right, about Islam. And I sat there in one of the best universities in the world, right? and I took a class on Islamic civilization, and it made no mention of Karbala. And it feels like a very personal experience, but I'm telling you that it is not, and I think we all understand that it is not. Right? Because um, I think this is a bigger issue that we have to confront, right? which is how and why do our schools and our universities teach about the rise and spread of Islam, which is a religion now, mashallah, with almost 12 billion adherents. Right? A religion um, that emphasizes equality and justice, but we teach about it without event mentioning the events of Karbala. Right? which was an event that truly, I mean, I'm telling you as a historian, it shaped the course of Islamic history. Right? And it is an event that was meant to liberate humanity. And this is really, I mean, I think this is a continuing challenge that we face, right? And we have to confront it by reaching out, but also talking about it openly. We are, in some ways, continually written out of history, even though we follow the example of an event that encompasses all that is important about human history. You know, I, there is no relationship, no principle that you can name that isn't embodied in Garpala, right? We follow the example of a man who gave everything, every last drop of blood for justice. There was no relationship, no class of people not at Garpala. People of different faiths, of different colors, of different classes were all present in that small group of followers who stood there on the day of Ashura. And so I am here, I want to really say this and give this message to everybody here, that insisting on the message of Karbala is not a challenge to unity. It is embracing unity, right? And we have to be really proud of that message and understand what that means. And the truth is, even historically, you know, entire empires, right? and I keep saying, you know, I am, I'm an academic, so I just sort of have to keep coming back to history. Um, but entire empires and dynasties, governments, then and now, they have been preoccupied with the legacy of Hussein ibn Ali. Why? Because of what he embodies, right? What he stands for. Um, and I also think we should ask ourselves today, right, those of us who are sitting in the room, do we also have the knowledge and the eloquence to speak about that, right? If I asked everybody in this room, you know, can you sort of talk about the events of Karbala as they have echoed through history beyond just the events of Karbala? You know, we have to be really honest with ourselves. Have we done the job of learning about that and speaking about that, right? Um, because to me, that is what labaik ya Hussein means, right? That is what it means to say, I am here, Hussein, right? It's to invite everybody to that message, but we also can't just say that the lesson of Karbala, it echoes throughout history, right? We have to understand how that is true. We have to be able to talk about that, how that is true, educate ourselves, right? Both in our specific history so that we can eloquently talk about it, right? We can invite people into our centers and have these conversations. But then we also have to be able to understand how these principles demand that we care beyond just ourselves. Um, if we really believe, as I, I know we do, that the lesson of Ashura is eternal, for example, you know, I, I want us all to think about this, right? What role have we played in insisting that Karbala is taught in mainstream educational environments. Because I know that it is a powerful message, right? I, I have seen it, I live it, I teach it. Um, 
And I really believe that we should not always and only have to search for separate public spaces, right? Separate classes, separate curriculums, separate places of worship, separate politics to hear any mention of Imam Hussein, right? It, it, we shouldn't always have to separate ourselves to be able to talk about these messages, right? That is why it's so important what we're doing here today. Um, so the question for all of us really is how can we harness the strength of the message of Karbala? Right? Fight this marginalization, but then also bring this universal message into new spaces. Um, and for me, and I, you know, I hope to share with you guys that, you know, for me, it is through the example of Sayyidah Zainab Salamun Aleha. Because for me, she was the first person who embodied that call of La Ya Hussein. Right? I want to quote from you, um, for you, the Iranian intellectual, a man named Ali Shariati. Um, and he writes about Imam Hussein and Sayyid Zainab. And he says, Imam Hussein and Sayyid Zainab were the blood and the message. Right? You need both for an event to resonate throughout history. If blood has no message, it will remain unspoken in history. Right? If blood does not extend its message to all generationers, the executioner can imprisonment, imprison it in time and space. Right? That is why she was so important, because she set that message free. Right? There was the blood, and then there was the message. And so when we gather here today, actually on Imam Hussein Day, sitting here in New Jersey, we do it because Zainab watched. And she spoke, and she resisted, and she carried on that message. She was a woman who was chained, but not silenced. Right? She was a woman who was imprisoned, but not silenced. And we know she was a woman who endured unimaginable loss, but she was not silenced. Right? And that resilience, right, that courage, it isn't just a model for women or Muslim women or Shia women, it is a model for humanity. Right? And we really have to, we have to share that message with more people. And we have to tell ourselves, right, if she had the courage and the resilience and the sense of justice to bring that message into the very heart of power of the enemy, right? She was the one who brought the message of Imam Hussein into the courts of the government that she was standing up against, right? If she can do that, why can't we bring more of us into the classrooms to teach about it, right? We must continue to bring amazing speakers into our midst, invite really wonderful community members into our midst, but we should also reach out proactively ourselves, right, and offer ourselves to be of service at events that advocate for social justice and equality. Right? We have to be devoted, and I, I, you know, I think that I'm preaching to the choir here, right, of people who are already doing this, but we have to be devoted members of our community, but join other organizations, right? Not just Islamic, non, different faiths, right, or no faiths, organizations that advocate um, for social justice and be a voice in those rooms, right? Um, for those of you who are on a college campus or those of you who have children who are on a college campus, I'm going to say, um, although this is not, um, I think, focused just to young people, because I think in this day of online learning, there's no excuse for not being better informed, um, you know, take a class on the history of Islam, right, or contemporary Islam, or the Middle East, or whatever it is, and be a voice in that room, right? Ask what you're not hearing, and insist on the message that you're not hearing, right? Um, 
if we do not learn history and we do not participate in the narrative, then we let others write the narrative for us. Right? And we cannot allow that to happen because we know the power of our message. Islam as a religion, it demands that we increase our knowledge rather than focus on judging others. Right? It, is a, it, it is a call in our religion, increase your knowledge. Right? And that's what we need to be doing. Um, for those of us, you know, and this, I think this is open to everybody, right? But, you know, we should be able to write op-eds or have conversations or write guest blog posts or teach about subjects like corruption and poverty and climate justice. I mean, I, because climate justice is a, it's a symptom of inequality, right? Like if we're looking at what's happening today with the floods in Pakistan, um, just to sort of touch on current events, we know that Pakistan emits less than 1% of global greenhouse gases, right? But it is amongst the top five most vulnerable countries in the world to, to climate change, right? A thousand people have died in Pakistan thus far in these floods, right? That is injustice. That is inequality, right? That is a symptom of a government that does not care enough for its people to put together infrastructure, right, to care for them. I mean, these are lessons that we can draw and speak on when we think about the message of Ashura. Um, we can talk about racism and politics in a way that incorporates the lesson of Ashura because we have to remember, right, when we say that there was people of every color and of every faith and of every walk of life in Ashura, we have to mean it because it's true, right? And we have to be able to talk about those issues. Um, you know, and. And we have to be willing, I think, to have open conversations, right? And that's why this event, like I keep coming back to it, is so important. Because we're having conversations with people who don't already know about this message. But for those of us who do, you know, I want to ask all of us, you know, if you work, right, and you have a job, do you explain why you take Ashura off or do you just sort of quietly take the day off? And I'm not saying it means, you know, you don't have to send like a company-wide CC reply all email, but do we have conversations on an individual basis about what this day means, right? Um, if you work in a corporate environment, companies today, many of them are interested in this idea of social responsibility, right? So we can reach out based on the message of Karbala and have conversations in bigger environments about how to bring that message um, to a broader atmosphere, right? And everyone here, and that's a beautiful thing about a community, right? Everyone here has different expertise and different things we excel at, um, different hobbies, different ways that we can make an impact. Um, but remember, in whatever way that you choose to share this message, and this is one way what we're doing today, right? Um, I hope everybody goes home and does it in an individual way as well. Um, Islam was not meant to be a private religion. It was meant to be a public act of striving. And Karbala, was not meant to be a private message, right? Um, it has to be a thing that we talk about and we implement. Um, we are so fortunate, those of us who grew up with this tradition, because we inherit a mighty tradition that marries intellect with justice. Right? That is what we inherited. And I think we really, we do ourselves and our history an injustice if we do not learn about it and we do not learn to speak about it, right, with eloquence and openness. And that, to me, is the way that we reject this idea of marginalization, right, and false narratives. And that is the way that we make labaik ya Hussein meaningful to everyone.
you know, for me, the sort of idea of, of wanting to share more and having this lesson apply to others, for me, it was the motivation. You know, I wanted to get a PhD in a major American research university, right? I actually, I wanted to defend my thesis um, in an environment where people did not have my faith, right? I wanted to teach in a large university where my students were probably not Muslim, right? I sought that out and I think we have to do that too. Um, and, you know, I wanted to um, write about Sayyida Zainab, Salamun Aleha, in, I wanted to be able to write her into events that mattered in modern history, right? And show people why she matters in modern history. So I will give you an example for some of you. Um, one of the things that I you know, write about is, um, so her shrine um, today is in Damascus. It's in Syria. Um, and Syria was colonized by the French, right? It was under French occupation for many years. Um, and actually, in the fight for Syrian independence, right, in this freedom struggle for independence, many of the activists in the 1930s and the 1940s, the people who were fighting for independence, were also involved in developing her shrine, right? So ask yourself why. It's because they recognize that in this freedom struggle, right, in this fight for independence, she was such a powerful symbol of freedom. Right? Um, and that includes um, secular Syrian Christians, right, who are all on this committee to expand her shrine. Why? Because of what a symbol she meant, right, to fight against oppression, to fight against colonialism, right, to fight for freedom. Um, I'll give you another an example. In the Iran-Iraq War, right, which happened in the 1980s, um, we know that Saddam Hussein imprisoned and tortured thousands of Shia Muslims, tens of thousands of them. Um, what we don't talk enough about, actually, is that many women, thousands of women, were also imprisoned. Um, and many of these women um, today, they live in a fairly, it's a conservative society where it's kind of like taboo, right, to talk about what these women might have endured in jail. Um, but I've interviewed dozens of them. And these women, they talk about how they use the example of Sayyida Zainab to give them resilience and to give them courage. Right? And they used her example and they turned their imprisonment into activism. Right? That's how powerful of a figure she is. And I mean, like when you think about that, right, we have something to say about conversations about incarceration that are happening in this country, right? It's a major topic of conversation. We have an example of that, right? And we have to be able to draw from these examples. And I will say that at every point, at every conference that I've attended all over the world, right? Anytime that I've spoken about this topic, people are truly moved, right? And it's not me, right? It's not us. It is the message at the heart of Karbala, right? It is the idea that one man stood alone and he faced down a dynasty and he lost everything, but he won everything. Right? That idea, it matters today in every room. Right? And the idea that there was a woman who carried on the fight, and through her resilience and her words, she reminded the powerful, you can humiliate, but you cannot win. Right? That idea matters in every room. That a woman in chains is the reason why today, millions, tens of millions, they say, Labek Ya Hussein, that idea matters in every room. And I am telling you that everyone... 
Um, and I'm telling you, but I think I don't need to tell you, right? When you break it down like that, everybody, when they hear the stories, they understand the power of this message. Right? And we have to encourage people to be inspired by that message and broaden the audience of those who receive that message um, rather than discouraging people or just sort of saying, well, you're not exactly the kind of person that I want you to be, so you maybe won't understand this, right? Um, so I will give you, I really actually wanted to give, am I okay with time? <laughs> okay. Um, so I will give you a very brief anecdote about a student of mine um, a couple of years ago. Um, there, I taught this women and gender in Islam class, um, and I had a student from Baltimore, had never taken a class on Islam, never learned anything about Islam until she took my class. Um, and she wrote a blog post about Zana Binti Ali. Um, and she wrote that she was like the nevertheless she persisted of the seventh century. Um, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with that phrase, right? But it's a phrase that comes out of American politics, right? About um, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, right? Like she continued to speak even when they tried to keep her quiet. Um, and the reason I thought that was so great is that this student, who had never learned anything about Islam, right? Didn't need me to make this connection for her. Right? She heard the story of Karbala, and she heard the message of Sayyidah Zainab Alayha, and then she made the connection of how that story matters today. Right? And that is what we need to be doing, right? because remember Sayyidah Zainab's words. She said, when she stood in the court of Yazid, right? she confronted him, she confronted the enemy, and she said, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you cannot remove us from the minds of people and you cannot fade our message. Right? And so, you know, I, I think she meant all people, right? She didn't mean Shia Muslims or Muslims. I mean, she meant everyone. Um, and we have to act as if that's true, right? That you cannot remove her from the minds of people. Right? So how do we do that? We put her in the minds of people. Right? So why is Sayyid Zainab for us the embodiment of Labaik Ya Hussain? Right? The embodiment of what we are trying to do here on Imam Hussain Day. Because she is the call to conscience. Right? She is the call to broaden that message and to bring it into every space so that everyone can hear it. Um, because if, as they say, we have the saying, right, kul yom ashura, kul ard karbala, it means every day is ashura, every land is karbala. What does that mean? It means that lesson matters every day and in every place, right? And if we believe that, then surely we must have the strength and the courage to speak truly about injustice we perceive and what must be done about it. Right? That means in this country, and it means in other countries, and it means in other places. Right? So if we care about that message, right, we have to care um, when there are actual literal calls, and I'm going to speak very frankly, for genocide of Muslims in countries, right, like in India or in Kashmir. That has to matter to us, and we have to speak about it. Right? We have to care about the systematic racism that African Americans in this country sometimes endure. Right? We have to talk about those things. How do we talk about justice and then not talk about all forms of justice? Right? That isn't living the, the message of Labaik Ya Hussein. Right? We cannot let, and I think we are, we're humans, so we all do this. Right? We let our personal or our political 
or our national preferences or our defensiveness sometimes get in the way uh, of talking about these difficult topics, right? But the lesson of Karbala is that justice and fairness and freedom applies to everyone, right? And it means that you show up for your friends when they need you, um, and it even means that you show up for those who are not your friends when they need you, right? And all of the sort of talk about um, interfaith justice and, and this broader message of humanity, um, Pastor Flowers, I hope you excuse me um, if I'm stepping on your toes, but it does remind me of a line um, from Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail, right? And I actually had to read that letter, um, a letter written by the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. when he was jailed in Birmingham um, recently for a graduate student. And I have read this letter a couple of times, and there's always one line that sticks out to me that I think is relevant for us today, right? He criticizes Dr. King. He criticizes moderates who are more devoted to order than to justice, right? People who prefer a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, right? So what does that mean? You can say you want justice, but if you'd really rather not rock the boat or take a risk, you don't want justice, right? And we cannot be, we cannot be those kinds of people. And it is hard in the place that we live in to be the people that we are and to talk honestly sometimes about these issues, but it is our moral obligation. I mean that for all of us here, right? Um, we cannot be more devoted to order than to justice, right? And when we hear that, when we see that, when we listen to that, right, it does resonate with the message of Karbala, right? We have to be part of that. Um, and if you care about humanity, you have to care about all of it, right? Because that is the lesson of Imam Hussein. And we know it because actually when he was going to fight and knew he was going to die, that is what he willed to his son. Imam Sajjad alayhi salam, right? He said goodbye to his son. And he said, oh my dear son, never commit any crime against a person who has no supporters save Allah, right? And I mean, that really has to be our call, isn't it? When we meet here today on Imam Hussein Day. Um, and hungry people don't need to be defined by their religion. And oppressed people don't need to be defined by their religion. And those who strive for justice don't only need to be defined by their religion, right? That is living the call today of Labaik Ya Hussein, right? That is Sayyida Zainab's call to conscience. Um, and it was also, and I just sort of want to leave you with this, Imam Hussein's answers to the Kufans who called him. So remember, I mean, this is the important thing that we must emphasize about Garbala, right? Imam Hussein didn't set out to fight. Right? He was called. He was asked. The people of Kufa wrote to him and they said, we are being oppressed. Come to our aid. Right? And so he wrote back, Imam Hussein, and he said, I will come as soon as possible. For by my life, what is the Imam except one who judges by the book, who upholds justice, who is devoted to the right, and who dedicates himself to the essence of God? Right? And that is the mission of Imam Hussein in a nutshell. And you know, you can't tell me that that doesn't apply to everyone, right? What is it that we strive for other than to uphold justice, to be devoted to the right, um, and to live in the essence of God, 
right? And so even though I think we probably all, I mean, I have done it a thousand times, we fall short of those ideals, right? Um, it is not always easy to strive for radical justice. Um, I think we should always strive for that vision, right? That is what Garbala is. It is the example of striving for justice, um, for human dignity. Um, and there will always be obstacles, right? We know there will be. We saw them in the last couple of weeks. We face them every day. But if we ourselves, we educate ourselves, and we learn and we speak, and we act with this call of Labek Ya Hussein, I truly believe, and you guys are um, sort of the embodiment of this, we will find allies on the way. So thank you all for your time. It has been a pleasure um, to share this with you all.